Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Now, I had heard that word at least ten times a day from my old man. My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, a master. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you thought you might get some sleep this weekend... What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, November 4th, 2016, The Waiting is the Hardest Part edition of the show, where we celebrate the end of the election from hell. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Insert Candidate Here 2020, a better voice for America. For the past four years, insert president here has ruined America. Insert candidate sees a better way by focusing on controlling debt, eliminating government regulation, and the summary internment and deportation of insert hated immigrant or minority group here. A new direction, a new day, a new voice, a better voice for America. Insert candidate. I am insert candidate, and I approve this message. You guys are probably pretty tired, right? Well, you should be. Go on home. Get a nice hot bath. Rest up 15 minutes. Then get your asses back in gear. We're under a lot of pressure, you know, and you put us there. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. But if you guys fuck up again, I'm going to get mad. The election of 2016 draws to a close in just over a hundred and something hours. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) This election, which began, according to my calendar, in late 1884, finally draws to a close Tuesday evening when a nation of angry voters goes to the polls and kicks the shit out of a voting machine. This is all your fault! That's why elections are so incredibly expensive. The sheer amount of damage to the machines each year is staggering. And this year, we'll be lucky if there are any left at all by the time the polls close. I feel I would be remiss if we did not take this moment here at the top of the show to look back on those we lost during the election of 2016 and recognize those who, when they left, shut the fuck up and disappeared. Just like a loser ought to. So, a moment of thankful silence for those who ran. They ran so far away. Governor Rick Perry. Governor Scott Walker. Governor Bobby Jindal. Senator Lindsey Graham, who kinda went away, but mostly stayed around, but he said bad shit about Trump, so that was okay. Governor George Pataki. Senator Rick Santorum. Believe me, I'm going to miss the Santorum splat more than anything else. Senator Rand Paul. Carly Fiorina. Oh, Carly. So close, yet so far. 
Governor Jim Gilmore. Governor Jeb. Heb Bush. Oh, Heb. You actually got screwed. And finally, Governor John Kasich on the Republican side. On the Democratic side, Lincoln Chaffee, Senator, who ran for about 93 seconds, and Governor Martin O'Malley, who frankly is just embarrassing, and we should never mention him again. Heroes. Every one of them. You lost. You lost big. And then, you went away. God bless each and every one of you. And finally, to those of you who lost and lost big, and then stayed around to suckle on the Trump teat, please allow me to speak for all of America when I say... What I tell you? Go fuck yourself. One hundred hours, give or take a few. I'm excited. I mean, if by excited you mean chain smoking and drinking a liter of fucking Jameson's every day just so I can fall asleep at night excited. This is different. How? Once this election is over, then everything can get back to normal, right? We can all start getting along again. No more angry Facebook tirades. And certainly no awkward holiday dinners. As soon as we vote, everyone will immediately put this incredibly bitter and acrimonious year and a half aside and reconcile our myriad difference just like we have so many times before, right? I am neither good nor gentle. I do not forgive. I know. We're going to burn this fucking country to the ground no matter who wins on Tuesday, aren't we? Because let's face it, this election is the emotional equivalent of coming home to find your significant other or housemate buck naked on the couch with a jug of lube and an empty cage that once contained a small animal. No matter what is said in the following moments, the future is going to be pretty fucking awkward. Not Jervis or a hamster. And we've got the holidays coming up. I mean, it's hard enough to sit across the Thanksgiving Day table on an average year without the additional weight of you calling Uncle Jimmy a brown-shirted fascist conspiratard on Facebook just a few days before. Although, to be fair, Uncle Jimmy had posted his 37th InfoWars article and really deserved to be called a racist, xenophobic little Hitler fucker. Oh, it's hurtful. Truthful. Now, you gotta find a way to ask him for the green bean casserole and not have it turn into a fistfight. And frankly, Uncle Jimmy's a gun nut, and you're pretty sure he'd draw down on you if it, things got hot. Go ahead, skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Well, your brains would probably be spewed all over the cranberry sauce, which would just ruin dinner for everyone, so you probably shouldn't do that. But speaking of angry, gun-toting Republicans, the election has really stressed out the folks over at the Federal Bureau of Investigation, where there's a leak war raging in the halls of the Hoover Building. The last time it was this bad, it involved golden showers and J. Edgar Hoover. Well, yes, you are naughty boy. But this one is far more perverse, with a G-man at war with one another over the election. It seems some of the agents do not like Hillary Clinton at all, and are doing everything in their power to bring her down before anyone has even put her up. Let's do what we can when we do this thing and talk about how we got here before we talk about where we are. 
As part of the ongoing Clinton derangement syndrome, you know that disease that affects right-wingers and political journalists who simply cannot accept the truth about the Clintons, that they're run-of-the-mill politicians who made some ethically dubious but no illegal decisions over the decades of public life and service, and they're not international masterminds behind a plot to subvert the Constitution for their own personal gain? I think there's a huge conspiracy here, Scully. Honestly, Clinton derangement syndrome makes Mulder's pursuit of aliens seem plausible by comparison. Benghazi happened. And the Republicans were convinced there was some conspiracy to cover it up, so they investigated. A lot. Those investigations turned up the email server. So then they investigated the email server. And that investigation found nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Not an electronic sausage. So that investigation was closed, but it came back last week with the emails found on Carlos' dangerous degenerate Cybermat laptop, which caused FBI Director Comey to stick his institutional dick in the election sausage grinder. The ensuing shitstorm that has caused the FBI to start springing leaks like a North Korean submarine on all sorts of investigation into the Clintons, which one might think is a bad thing for Clinton, but somehow is blowing up in the face of the FBI even worse, who went from a serious organization to his disorganized circle jerk where the pivot man's arms are too short to reach anyone in the circle. And by the way, it looks like the pivot guy is Rudy Giuliani, so there you go. You don't want to have anything to do... With an asshole like that. Still, that pathetic circle joke finally produced a soggy little cracker on Wednesday in the form of an investigation into the Clinton Foundation based on, and this is so perfect, it has to be true, a book called Clinton Cash, the untold story of how and why foreign governments and businesses helped make Bill and Hillary rich. What he should be investigating is who the fuck titled that book and why didn't they have an editor. It was written by a fellow named Peter Schweitzer, who is the senior editor at large at... Wait for it! Wait for it! Breitbart.com! A wholly owned and operated subsidiary of the forthcoming Trump News Network. The book is... How can I describe it? Um, it's not um, well-researched. In fact, it's so laughably thin, both literally and metaphorically, that anything resembling evidence in it makes an anorexic model look a f- like a fat-ass white girl by comparison. The only people who've read the 245 pages of speculation, suspicions, and outlined fabrications and found anything more substantive than a handy fire starter for their summer barbecues are InfoWars readers, Trump voters, and apparently the FBI, who took one look at it and used it to open an investigation into the Clinton Foundation. No, that's the wrong answer. The right answer is because you're all morons. Boy, he shined a light on that, didn't he? These special agents who put together their, quote, case, unquote, based on the Breitbart bullshit, which apparently consisted of the book and an autographed photo of Alex Jones, to the career anti-corruption products prosecutors, meaning they're not political appointees, but independent product prosecutors within the Justice Department, and they took one look at the gathered information and said, We just received an alien transmission from the Where's the Beef Lady. And she's pretty sure you guys don't have anything. There's a great article in the New York Magazine detailing the entire fiasco, and it's in the show notes. Please, go read it. Usually, this would be the end of an investigation. 
but the federal Breitbart investigators decided they had to keep digging because they were sure there was a pony buried beneath all, the, beneath all that horse shit. The story winds its way through the FBI all the way up to the number two man, Andrew McCabe, who castigated but did not stop the investigation, but he didn't let it run wild either. Now, we have entire enclaves of federal agents investing allegations, investigating allegations on the, quote, evidence, unquote, produced by an alt-right Trump propaganda arm aimed at discrediting their political rival. At the same time, other agents are investigating Trump's connections to Russia and allegedly a slew of other crimes revolving around his charitable donations. Both sides are furiously leaking info to the media in a covert war to influence the outcome of a close election in direct contravention of Bureau and Department of Justice policies. Fox News claimed there was an indictment in the offing related to the Clinton Foundation, a claim that they've now had to retract and apologize apologize for. Think about that for a second. Think Progress has the FBI investigating its own Twitter account. That's the fucking saddest thing I've ever heard. Which suddenly sprang to life after a year and a half with dumps of a decade-old investigation on Bill Clinton's pardon of Mark Rich, which, as usual for Clinton investigations, found nothing wrong. The nation's top law enforcement agency has turned into a bad facsimile of Reno 911, except somehow they are even less respectable. You must be so proud. At the same time as all of this is going on, news of side deals with the New York Times, Fox News, and the Washington Post to the author of the book that started all of this for early accesses are out there. Deals which fell apart when they saw how pathetic the information was. It says a lot when Fox News won't run Clinton allegations because they're so weakly sourced. But the FBI apparently will run with it for an investigation. What the hell is going on here? It's a shit show. Thank you, Lieutenant Daniels. Look, I want to be clear. This is not the first time that the FBI has fucked with a national election. It's not even the 45th time that the FBI has fucked with a national election. But this time, they're doing it so badly that J. Edgar Hoover has popped the dildo out of his ass in his grave and is now spinning fast enough to power fucking New York City. The thing is, everything going on over there is an allegory for the whole fucking country right now. How the hell are Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea supposed to make sense of any of this when the goddamn FBI, the New York Times, the Washington Post, this very podcast are not entirely sure what the fuck is going on? And more importantly, how are we to heal the fractures from this election if even the institutions we depend on not to be tinfoil-hatted conspiracards are busy crafting a lovely chapeau from a roll of Reynolds wrap? Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I could make a cap, or a brooch, or a pterodactyl. I mean, it's gotten so bad that with my family, there's an actual medical situation, and I really had to ask myself if the diagnosis was serious enough for me to speak to the person affected, and that was my mom. You're a bad, bad person. Relax, I called her, come on, I'm not that bad of a person. Even with that, I still think I'm better than they are, the Trump supporters. Sure, I've been a raging prick, but my cause is just. My heart is pure, and I am not making a joke out of this when I say I'm right. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, 
Your opinion, man. I've spent the past few months trying to parse through mountains of data journalism, hundreds of campaign stories by good reporters, you know, the kind of people who use sources, not just Crazy Eddie, the guy who lives behind the local car wash. Not that Eddie is a bad guy, but he's also convinced that Elvis lives in his colon, and when he farts, it sounds like Heartbreak Hotel. So you probably don't want to go with him on his electoral college prediction. And I've tried to keep the shows based in reality, at least for the topics that I talk about, because I'm no longer sure we can say the same thing about me. I mean, I've been talking about an imaginary producer for months to the point that I'm not entirely sure whether Gavin exists or not. Don't even try to convince me you do, Gavin. I'm pretty sure you're just something I made up. What I'm saying here is things have got to stop because I can't take it anymore. I check election trackers in the middle of the night. And I cared about the World Series. I fucking hate baseball. But I was passionately concerned about the World Series because the last eight times the series went to a Game 7, the outcome of the election was correlated to which person won the fucking series. I'm not kidding. I was awake at midnight listening to a game I hate because there is a coincidental correlation between the outcome and the election. So yes, I rooted for the Cubs because in a bullshit way, their victory correlated to a Clinton victory, even though there's a correlation also that says that if the Indians would have won, the good-feeling boost would have fucking pushed the polls up in, in, in Ohio, and then Clinton would have won there because I didn't know where who the workforce, but I don't, and the Cubs, and oh, fucking shit, I need help. I need You must seek therapy. That's why I would go with that. We've transcended logic and common sense. 538 is good because they were right in 2008 and 2012, but now 538 says something we don't like, so we can't trust 538, and we have to trust the upshot. (laughs) We don't know who to believe, who to listen to, and who to trust. We are about as divided as we can get, and everything we we think we know is called into question about every six seconds. How the fuck are we going to live with each other after this bullshit is finally over? If it is even over, come next Wednesday. Wednesday, I mean, if the Justice Department and the FBI are reduced to squabbling like a room full of drunk uncles over what is real and what is bullshit, what hope do any of us have for the future? How much more can we take? And how do we come back? And where do we go from here? And we have 100 hours, give or take some more. Do you know what else could happen in that 100 hours? I swear, if an alien mothership appeared in the skies over Washington, D.C. and launched assimilation pods over the country, we would be locked into a vicious fight over which candidate invited them to our planet. Trump would claim that his space wall would have stopped them, and Clinton would say that Trump is a puppet of Glarksnog of the Photographer Emperor. Take it easy, Dave. Deep breaths. We have elections, so we don't have wars, right? If this thing doesn't work this time, do we have a war? Because I sure as fuck hope not, because liberals would be the worst fucking soldiers ever. Recruit training, which I would be in charge of because I'm one of the few liberals that knows the pointy end of a gun from the buddy end of the gun, would need safe spaces. Meanwhile, conservatives would be slow roasting our leaders, which would be me, over a barbecue pit. Wasn't bad. 
Tastes like chicken. I started this dumb podcast a year and a half ago because I was bored. And everyone has a podcast. Honestly, they're like email addresses now. I never thought it would be a channel for all the fears and frustrations I felt for me and my country. But now it is. And while I like a good joke and a lot of whiskey, this has become a real thing for me. And I'm actually fucking worried about what happens next. Because I like this country a lot. I liked it enough that I was willing to risk being shot for the people living in it. I don't like thinking that roughly half of those people are bad people because they support a truly bad man. I don't think you are stupid, although a lot of you could pull enough audio from the last year or so of the shows to make a liar out of me. I think that a lot of you are misinformed, that most of you are legitimately angry, and some of you, just some of you, really are deplorable. But I believe you too like this country a lot. Maybe even love it. I don't love things that I can't that don't love me back, and I'm pretty sure that 350 million odd people don't know me well enough to love me, but I believe you really think you are doing the right thing for the country in voting for one Mr. Trump. But let me ask you something seriously. Given everything you've seen and heard from him, forget the media, forget the campaign, just based on what you've, you've heard him say and saw him do and all the time that you've been watching him, let me ask you this. Would you buy a car from this guy? Answer that honestly. If you would feel comfortable buying a used car from Donald Trump, by all means, do what you feel you need to do. But if you were to walk into a used car lot in your hometown and Donald J. Trump came out with his bad orange spray tan and his weird-ass hair and offered you to take you on a test drive, would you go? Would you buy it? Because if the answer is no, you have to vote accordingly. And I'm not saying you have to vote for Clinton, just don't vote for him. Because it's not just you that has to drive that piece of shit off the lot. It's all of us. The choice we make on Tuesday is simple. We can choose to elect a man who is fundamentally unfit by any measure to be president of the United States. He has repeatedly demonstrated a blatant disregard for the Constitution. He has openly advocated armed rebellion against the lawfully elected government. He has intimated his followers assassinate his political opponents. He has vowed to imprison his political opponents. He has congressed with foreign powers for his own political gain. He has openly embraced dictators and strongmen. He has advocated our military commit war crimes against innocent population. He has toyed with the idea of a nuclear first strike. He has vowed to implement a program of ethnic cleansing on an unprecedented scale not seen since Andrew Jackson's Trail of Tears in 1838. You guys read about that in, like, junior high or high school, right? He has openly stated he would implement a religious test for persons entering into the country. He has failed to meet even the most rudimentary vetting of his finances. He has openly bragged of sexually assaulting women. He routinely engages in degrading women and minorities and mocking the disabled. He has roused ethnic ethnic hatred amongst his supporters. He has openly allied his campaign with fascists, white supremacists, and hate mongers. 
He has lied so often that even his detractors are inured to his complete lack of honesty and integrity. He has denied the existence of global climate change, the greatest threat to the future of humans on this planet, your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. He has done all of this in full view of the people whom he asked to elect him to office, and yet somehow is within a few percent of percentage points of gaining that office. In short, this man represents a credible and real threat to the security and safety of the American government and the people of this nation. Your choice is to vote for what is perhaps the most dangerous man to seek the presidency in the history of the Republic or someone who may or may not have improperly used an email server. That the outcome of this election is at all in doubt is the saddest statement on the condition of our democracy and our country, and it fills me with incredible shame. If he wins... And I still have faith in the American people to, in the end, reject him. But if he wins, I will hold every single Republican, every angry white voter, every shitty journalist who equated an email server with the endemic corruption and hate this man openly represents to account for the ruin of a country which I actually care about. I am just one man, and I'm not saying I'm going to break laws not saying I won't. I will say I will not engage in acts of violence, but I will do anything in my power to stand up to him and extract whatever petty vengeance I can on the people who put him in power. And you can take for that what you will. And if that means my Thanksgiving dinners are from now until perpetuity just really fucking awkward, that's a price I'm willing to pay. And also, keep the wishbone out of my hands because I'm not entirely sure what I would do with it. That is it for our show this week. It was a hard, hard show to write because honestly, I didn't know what to say. I think I've laid out my case the best I can and now it's time for you to head into a booth and make your choice. And in the end, I think I'm a big old softy because I honestly believe that most Americans will make the right choice come Tuesday night and this will all be over and Trump can go off and start his own TV network while Hillary Clinton reads to the White House. And don't worry, if you don't like her, the GOP will start her impeachment proceedings right after the polls close on Tuesday. This show, however, will not be back after the polls close on Tuesday unless, of course, we lose, in which case I will be broadcasting right up until the time the Trump brown shirts drag me off to the camps. When we come back, if we come back, the show will hopefully be less focused on politics and more on the little things in life that annoy and irk. We will feature panels, the occasional guest, and of course contributors from around the country. Be a part of that by reaching out to what the hell podcast at gmail.com or the listener line at 347-647-9601. Your Trump your calls may be monitored by the Trump team to determine which concentration camp you will be placed in. If you would like to be placed in the same camp as us, follow the show on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast.com or the show name on Facebook. All of the shows are on SoundCloud at the show name and of course at www what the hell podcast 
Com. There will be a best of show in the next week or two, re-edited and remastered for your listening pleasure. If you pay close attention, there could be a surprise in there. It might be producer Gavin, who I'm still pretty sure I just made up. So, for me, Dave Bledsoe, the increasingly illusionary and perhaps delusional producer Gavin, and all the other fictional people on the show, we want to say, hey baby, we know it ain't heaven right now. This has all been a bad, bad dream. We've never known something quite like this, and we don't know if we may ever be normal again. We know better than try to pretend, and no one ever told us it could be like this. But the waiting is the hardest part. Every day is real, real hard. We take it on faith. We take it on the part that it will be over on Tuesday. So the waiting, the waiting is the hardest part. We'll see you all in a few weeks, unless, of course, shit goes really wrong. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.